You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Good morning. I'm Ryan Joyner, the family ministry pastor here at North, and I'll be speaking to you today from Acts chapter 2. So if you want to turn there in your Bible or your Bible app, you are welcome to do that. I was so honored when Pastor Kirk invited me to speak on this Sunday because of out of all the Sundays, it is Memorial Day weekend, but it is also Pentecost Sunday. So what an honor to speak on this day. And I was just like, absolutely. I, I love North. I love y'all. Um, in fact, last Saturday, I got to celebrate 10 years of serving here at North. And it has been a privilege. So thank you for that opportunity. Uh, I will say it's a little intimidating to speak in the pulpit that Dr. Kirk Walters normally speaks in. And uh, as somebody who gets to work with him on a regular basis, let me tell you, he is the same man of great faith and love for the Lord that you see here week in and week out on Sundays. So thank you, Pastor Kirk, for this opportunity to speak. Uh, If you would, let's stand for the reading of God's word in Acts chapter two, verse one through four. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that it's not just a normal day, but it's a day where you do the impossible. You do the incredible and you fill us up with your spirit. Father, I pray that my thoughts and my words are forgotten and unheard, but your words sink deep into our souls and change us forever. Unite us as the body of Christ that is equipped to establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Let this message bring me no praise, but you all the glory and all the praise, and we thank you in advance. And everyone said, amen. 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 You can have a seat. How did we get here to Acts 2, where God's spirit is being poured out on his people and they're beginning to speak in other languages? Well, let's let's take a journey. Let's dig in. Let's figure that out together. But let's start by looking at language itself. Language is a powerful thing. It can unite people and it can divide people. It can limit people and it can empower people. People. I remember my first mission trip that I took as a high school student to Honduras. And I had taken Spanish one and two and pulled down solid B grades, y'all. Solid B grades. I went with such confidence, and when I got there, I could not carry on a single conversation. I was just pointing at things like a toddler, like broken accent. I looked pitiful. But the adults that went with us on that trip, well, I don't think they had taken a Spanish class ever. Um, And so the moment that our translator would walk away as we were trying to build a church there, uh, we were helpless. And I just remember them seeking to communicate with us, Hunter, and pastors and, and workers very slowly in plain English. Where 
are the bricks for the wall. And of course, they're just looking at us like, I, what are you? Uh, I don't know. And so they would just get louder. The bricks. And I'm just like, I'm ashamed. What are we doing here? <laughs> this is ridiculous. But we could not build that church without our translator there. We were helpless without our translator. Yeah, you see where I'm going with this, don't you? Your, your wheels are turning, good. God gave us a language at Pentecost that has the ability to unite us with God, to help us understand one another's thoughts and emotions, unite us together and empower us to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Is that not true? Give me an amen, that's right. Let me unpack this a little bit more for you by taking you back to the beginning. When I say the beginning, I mean Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Spirit was there at the beginning, united Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And they had such power and unity among themselves that all that they needed was their common language to speak and bring all things into existence. They were so united, they didn't just have love for one another, they were love itself, as 1 John 4, 8 describes. And in this unity and power, it just makes sense for our triune God not to just keep his unity to himself in heaven as one big divine clique, but instead to offer his love and unity to others. And that's what he did when he made our ancestors, Adam and Eve, and placed them in the Garden of Eden. And he walked with them, and he talked with them, and he had unity with them. But in his perfect will, he allowed us as humans to have free will. And he sat back and watched his enemy, the devil, tempt Adam and Eve to eat from the one forbidden tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate it in an attempt to know what God knows and to be like God and to replace God in their own lives. Instead of just remaining in relationship with him and letting him know and do on their behalf. And God knew that was Satan's goal from the beginning, to replace God and get everyone to join in in replacing God. In fact, in Isaiah 14, Satan's quoted saying, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I'll sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon and I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. And y'all, it broke God's heart as he watched his creation give in to the same selfish desire to be their own self-made gods. And he experienced a great separation from his creation as they selfishly pursued their own gain. And he was like magnetically repelled because he's selfless and perfect. And just 10 chapters later, in Genesis and in human history, uh, 
God doubles down on his free will that he offers to man, and man takes that, those divine qualities he gave us and twists them for their own purposes. And in Genesis 11, one through nine, it tells us, now the whole world had one language and common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there, and they said to each other, come, Let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Uh Uh-oh, starting to sound like Isaiah 14, 13 and 14 a little bit. Build a tower to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, there is nothing they plan to do that will be impossible for them. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew the power of relational unity. And... He also knew that today we would look at this story and ask God, like, um, hey, God, uh, what's happening here that's so bad? Um, because he sees our culture now celebrate unity of every faith, nationality, and orientation. And he's watching now as many of us are currently working with teams of other cultures and languages, seeking to achieve our corporate, governmental, and financial goals. So, um, what exactly is so bad with what's, I mean, this is like only early culture being established. This is kind of impressive, a city that they're building. What's, what's so wrong here? Well, God knows these children of his in Genesis 11 and us today are often working to leave him out of the equation. This may be a common language that they're speaking, but they are only speaking that language to speak of themselves and for themselves. This is the language of God's enemy, the devil. It's the language of a deity saying, I'm my own God. And the creation, ignoring the creator, just does not work. It may seem as if great things are being built, But from God's vantage point, he sees them for what they really are, rebellion against God. And underneath these so-called successes, there is deeply destructive emotional, spiritual, relational, emotional, eternally significant consequences. Because the giver of all good things, the one who holds the universe together is being ignored and undermined. And that's against the laws of eternal nature. So God sees his people united in their selfishness, knows the power of their common language to destroy. And he says in Genesis 11, seven through nine, come, let us, that's the Trinity speaking to themselves. Let us go down and confuse their languages so that they will not understand each other And so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. And so that's why it's called Babel because there the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. And from there, the Lord scattered them all over the face of the whole earth. 
the great united three-in-one God authored division to save us from ourselves. And thankfully, that was not the end of his salvation plan. He had a plan all along to completely unite us back to himself, unite us back to a unity that was rooted in love, rooted in him. And if that plan had a name, it was Project Jesus Christ. And the Son of God came to earth to reconcile us back to himself. And in one of Jesus' last prayers on earth before he died and rose from the dead for us, he prayed this in John 17, verse 20 and 23. My prayer is not for them alone, not only the disciples, these 12 I see before me. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That's me. Jesus is praying for us. So let's tune into verse 21 that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The Son of God knew that his divinity and his love would not be recognized if all of his followers were constantly fighting against each other and competing. And he knew that his time on earth was limited and he wasn't gonna be here for very long to help them get along. He knew that they would bicker and fight over little things, that they would compete to see who was the most powerful. They were literally doing that right in front of his eyes while he was on earth. They were gonna do so much worse without him. They would be just another babble movement that promised a salvation and delivered nothing. And so he prayed that they, would be united, that you and I would be united. And God the Father answered Jesus's prayer with the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In Acts 2, it tells it like this, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd gathered in bewilderment because each one heard their own languages being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our native languages? Corinthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pygria and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. You've got to get this. 
That day at Pentecost, God restored to his church the common language that he had removed at Babel. And he gave them his Christ-centered language, the language of God whom they were made in the likeness of, their native tongue. And being the creator's language, all of his creation understood it in unison at that very moment. And he allowed his united language because he had trained them to use it for the right reasons and given them his Holy Spirit to help them use it for the right reasons. And in comparison and complete contrast to Babel, they spoke of God and for God instead of of themselves and for themselves. They spoke to include God in the equation, not to exclude him. And they humbly put their lives at risk, offering their voices to God, speaking the language of martyrs, knowing that what they said about Jesus rising from the dead could get them killed, and yet they spoke it anyway. They spoke the language of Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if you can remove this cup from me, please do. I don't want to die, but not my will be done. Yours be done. That is the power of the language that the Holy Spirit can give us to humbly lay down our lives and accomplish his will. And then the Holy Spirit had Peter step up and speak as God did at creation, inviting everyone, including you and me, into united, loving relationship with himself. Peter said in Acts 2, starting in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Y'all may hear some popping. I think I'm preaching so good, I'm breaking the mic. So I'm gonna go ahead and grab this one. How about that? That's good. Listen, you gotta get this. God is trying to tell you today. Pentecost is not just a story from the past. It's an invitation to you today. You can be encircled by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, completely enraptured in his love and his power and his unity. You have been invited to be united with God. Can I say that again? You have been invited to be united with God. Amen. Amen. I like that. The Holy Spirit is equipping you to speak as he did through those in Acts 2. And when you accept the offer to be united with God, you won't be able to help yourself but speak of God and for God everywhere you go, completely unafraid of the temporary consequences that you may face because you know that there is nothing in this life that compares to the one that you have met that you get to be in union with. The Holy Spirit will equip you with the same heavenly common language the disciples experience in Acts 2. 
And so the message of Christ that you share can be heard and understood and received by everyone that you share with. That's what Peter saw take place in verse 40. When many, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. God gave Peter the words to breathe eternal life and salvation into 3,000 people in one day. And I'll have you know that united with the Holy Spirit, his words spoken through you have the same power to save. There are children of yours or are grown or in your home that will accept Christ because you speak to them. There are neighbors and friends and distant relatives that you will lead to Christ because God will speak through you in a way that they understand and it's only by his power that they could get it and receive it and believe it and it can happen. And his word spoken through us, man, when it happens, when we unite to selflessly speak of him and for him, we will build his church on earth as it is in heaven. That's what they experienced in Acts chapter two. Starting at verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This could be the description of your family, of your life group, of this church, of Mount Perrin North. You see, uniting with God unites us to his people. It's as if every believer all at once gets tuned in to this divine radio frequency and collectively and simultaneously we hear from God and are moved to accomplish things that would be absolutely impossible for us to accomplish on our own. But by his power, he moves through us uniquely in each individual way we need to, working as the body of Christ and his kingdom is established on this earth as it is in heaven. Absolutely. It is no coincidence that the 35 different biblical authors over 1,500 years speaking three different languages all wrote a one book that agrees with itself and supports the other. That's the power of God's word spoken to save all of our lives by the power of his word. So, in response to all this, I'm gonna ask you two questions. Really, let God search you. Question one, are you united with God's spirit? Are you united with God's spirit? True, too. On a daily basis, who are you speaking of? 
Who are you speaking for on a daily basis? Man, I want to tell you, Satan in the world will disguise speaking of yourself and for yourself as empowerment towards success. But if you have to exclude God from the equation, it is just gonna lead to your destruction as it did in Babel. We speak the language of Satan each time we speak of ourselves with pride and arrogance seeking to build our own power and kingdom. But when we speak of God and for God, well, the world and the devil will still try to disguise it as humiliation towards destruction. Some would even say that's what it looked like for the disciples. But truly, when you speak of God and for God, you will be bringing yourself and others into true unity and eternal success, just as it did for the disciples. God's word spoken is what brings true unity. We gotta be speaking his word. We gotta be knowing it. We gotta be reading it. We gotta be memorizing it. We gotta be speaking it over one another. God's word spoken is what brings true unity. We speak the language of the Holy Spirit each time we speak of God with humility and boldness as we seek to build his kingdom instead of our own. Do you want unity with your spouse? then surrender your tongue as a living sacrifice. Let that be your spiritual act of worship. Put aside, put aside all the bickering and arguing and fighting and be the first to offer Jesus's forgiveness to one another. You want united with your children? Then stop the lies to make yourself look better. Let the Holy Spirit help you put aside the gossip and the cursing to tear others down and speak God's word in your home. Let that be the main thing that you talk about. Let us not seek to convince our family to do what we want for our benefit. Instead, let us outdo one another in offering love and encouragement to each other, motivating one another to do even greater things for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Do you want unity? Yeah. Let's give the glory to God. You want unity among your life group or your coworkers? Then allow God to tear down your selfish talk and silence your self-promotion. It was God's very word that spoke life into existence. When we speak for Jesus, it will speak life into everyone that we speak to. And it will call ourselves and others to repentance and holy living. That is the language that was given to us at Pentecost. We can return the world to the way it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden with us daily walking and talking with Jesus. We can join love himself and in hatred and jealousy and division among us. And we can fulfill Jesus' prayer in John 17 and shine out among the world and stand out with our love and unity for each other. And they'll know when they see how kind we are to each other, despite our differences, despite our conflicts and they'll go, God did send Jesus and he does love me the way that those people love each other and they'll want the relationship we have with God. God said himself, when he came down and saw what was going on in Babel, he says, if as one people speaking the same language, they begun to do this, then nothing that they plan to do will be impossible for them. 
How much more powerful will we be if we are not just united with other selfish humans, but instead we are united with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who holds the beginning, the now and forever? Nothing will be impossible for us when we are united with God and his people. Nothing will be impossible for us. Don't you want that? I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for North. I want that for the church overall. But we can't just make it happen on our own. We are selfish, flawed human beings. We can't just will it into action. We have to surrender completely to the Holy Spirit coming inside of us to empower us. We, we can't just will it into action. And, and yes, it's true. The moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior, believe that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, you are forgiven of your sins, you are made right with God, and all of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He's a person. He's the third person in the Trinity. He's not just some mist that can half fill you. But there's a full surrender that has to take place in order for him to do his complete work through you. He's not gonna force you to do things that you're unwilling to surrender to him. I mean, think about the disciples. You can't convince me that after they saw Jesus rise from the dead that they were not saved. And yet Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't do any ministry until you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. There was another step. There was a deeper surrender that was required. And if you will seek to fully surrender to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as the first church did in Acts 2, you will experience what they experienced. God promised in 1 Corinthians 12, 2, 12, 7, the Holy Spirit will give you his spiritual gifts so that you can help others. Or another translation says, for the common good. They're given to us to unite us. So if you're coming in this morning, you're thinking, yeah, Pentecost Sunday, I want the Holy Spirit. So maybe I can, maybe I can pray in tongues. People will be like, yeah, wow, you're a true believer. Or maybe I can pray for somebody and see them healed the way I want them to be healed. Or maybe you want to pray a gift of tongues of prophecy so that other people will begin to follow you. I want you to speak encouragement to others so that you gain acceptance and love from others if that's your pursuit. You got it all mixed up. And that's the same language that those at Babel were speaking of themselves, for themselves. And God's already shown us clearly he's not going to have any of that because that's the language of Satan. So don't be looking around this morning going, oh, well, they're, they're more gifted. Look at them. Look, look at Pastor Ryan. He can get up there and speak to everybody. Look at this person. They're speaking in tongues, and I haven't done that. Or, you know, they're praying and healing. Look at their great faith and, and be jealous. No, no, no. Just be willing to open your heart and your hands to say, God, whatever impossible thing you want to do through me, I'm open to it. Just come and do your will on this earth as it is in heaven. That is the humble attitude that leads to God's powerful version of unity. And I want that unity for you. I want it for your marriage. I want it for your home. I want it for North. 
want it for your life group. I want it for the overall church. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to baptize us just as he did the disciples in Acts 2. Let's ask him to help us come together and put aside our goals and our purposes and stop speaking of ourselves and for ourselves. And instead, let's wake up every day and go, Holy Spirit, what are you doing and how can I get a part of it? And let's start speaking life into others and speaking love and encouragement and speak with boldness and passion. And let's see people rise from the death that they're sinned and put them in. Let's see them saved. Let's see them go after God. Let's see marriages come together and families come back and children who have strayed away from God come back. And let every word that we speak just be filled with unity and kindness and love. Let's seek the Holy Spirit to unite us with God and his people this morning. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes, just so you can have a moment to you, for you and God. I asked you, are you united with God? And some of you came in today and you said, no, mm -mm, I'm far from him. And I don't wanna be anymore. I want Christ's forgiveness. I wanna respond to what Peter said in Acts 2 and I wanna repent. I wanna turn around, I wanna change and I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna be united with my creator. And if that's you today, you just raise your hand just to say, that's me. I, I want forgiveness of my sin. I want to be forgiven. I want to have a relationship with God. If that's you, will you just raise your hand? That's beautiful. Wherever you're at, just pray a prayer like this. It's so simple. God's already done all the hard work. All you gotta do is talk to him. Say something like this in your own head, in your own words. It's your relationship with God. You pray. Say something like, dear Jesus, I believe you were so much more than a man. You were God. And I did things you asked me not to do in your word. And I'm so sorry. But today, I believe that you died on a cross and you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my savior. Come be in charge of my life. Can we all say that together just to encourage whoever may be praying and say, God, be in charge of my life. Come on, one more time. God, be in charge of my life. And for those of you who are here who are believers, with your head still bowed and eyes still closed, just having that moment with God, do you want the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be able to speak for Christ and of Christ everywhere you go? Do you want to be united with God, enraptured in his love, in his unity, in his grace, in his kindness, in his power, and his authority? Do you want that? If you do, in just a moment, I'm going to challenge you to come up and agree with another believer. And united together in prayer, y'all seek that out. Prayer team, if you would, go ahead and come in place. I've invited them in advance. Come get in place. I'm going to pray a prayer. And when I say amen, I want to challenge you wherever you're at. If you want the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come, pursue it, seek after it, and then we'll worship together. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much that you are a God that is love itself. And you have invited us from the beginning to be in relationship with you. We've messed it all up. We've been selfish. We've been focused on our own kingdom being established. But this morning, we unite to say we're done. We just want you. We want whatever it is you have for us. Whatever gift you need to give us to establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we fully surrender to you. Come establish your kingdom right now, today, just as you did in Acts 2. And move through us and give us the language we can speak to lead our family to Christ. To lead our life group closer to you. To lead our co-workers closer to you. Come. Give us that humble, Christ-centered language, our heavenly language today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you in advance for your spirit that will be poured out this morning. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. If you're ready, move. Come. stand together and sing this morning. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope. Your presence Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord. Let's sing together, Holy Spirit, you're Oh 
praying together, church. Let us become more aware. We sing. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory Your glory, God. 
time, North, you sing, Holy Spirit. these to continue to minister in the altars today, but let's pray together. Lord, we, you are welcome here, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. We acknowledge your presence. We are thankful that you are here among us today doing a work in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, today, may we all be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that as we go from this place today, that we might do your good works in your name and through your will in this world, God. Yes, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's all for your glory, Lord. It's all for your fame and it's all for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God praise. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hey, can we say thanks to Pastor Ryan? Great word today. I mean, come on, y'all. It's Pentecost Sunday. That's not one of those softball kind of messages. You know what I'm talking about? This guy did a great job. You knocked it out of the park. Good job, Ryan. Good job, good job, good job. Thank you again for being with us on this Memorial Day weekend. We bless you today. And if you would allow me the privilege of giving you that blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.